0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig, Brickiroli here. We write for The Athletic, but we are with you here on 106.7 today until noon. Uh, Nats, of course, uh, wrap up their series with the Mets at 1.30. You can hear that on 106.7 The Fan as well. Eleven o'clock, my colleague on the Washington Commander's B. John Kine will be here to talk about a little bit more about Dwayne Haskins and the tragic news from yesterday. Um we do want to talk a little bit about that now. And I do want to bring it up in this sort of way, Britt. I, I was, you know, life is, you know, obviously the ultimate mystery is <laughs> what 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 are we all doing here? What is what is happening? And on Thursday, it was the opposite end of, of the situation with Tiger Woods, at least for me, when Tiger Woods was out there in the first round of the Masters, because he obviously has not been all, he's not played competitive golf in any real way since his car accident uh, February of 2021 at a point where when that accident happened and you hear the, how horrible everything sounded, uh, you know, is Tiger Woods going to die? Is he going to lose his leg? Is he going to be able to walk? Forget whether he will be able to compete again and then the fact that you know 14 or 12 or 14 months later he's out at augusta having had no prior prep on on the tour at all and putting up like pretty pretty good numbers he was like top 10 after round 1 he's fallen off a bit now for sure and he's not going to win the tournament he's out there on the course today but it was just it, it felt like life affirming almost to see somebody who would look to be at at, at such a you know, rough point of his of his life to rebound in such a way and then two days later to have the complete opposite end to have such tragic news that's just so shocking and jarring it really for me was this over the over the last 40 over a 48-hour period the juxtaposition of just how fragile life is and how simultaneously there's there's so much good in here to overcome and, and so much to be thankful for uh which obviously i think a lot of people are experiencing as they get to watch tiger woods play uh golf again
2: yeah um uh obviously what happened with Hask- Haskins uh, just don't really have a whole lot of words. I know there's been a, a lot of people um, who knew him, who covered him, who have um, a lot better sense of, of the loss um, and what he meant um, to them as a person. Uh, our producer, uh, Linnell has, has some words uh, as well about him. I'm going to let Linnell take over because uh, again, um, I'm not someone who knew him personally. I didn't cover him um, Linnell, I know you, you have some things that you wanted to say about this, this news.
3: Yeah, it was just, it, uh, it, it probably affected my age group a little bit differently. I'm um, 24, I'm the same age as Dwayne. Dwayne's birthday is uh, next month, and obviously it was just so tragic. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this. When someone passes away and they are, you know, very close to you in age, you know, you start to move a little differently. You You, you definitely you know, don't take things for granted and you, you know, want to be more, you know, careful in, in the way you do things. But you guys touched on it earlier. I was just really disappointed in the flip-flopping of, of the narrative surrounding Dwayne um, just because it was a lot of, you know, you know neg- negativity, you know, surrounding, you know, people's opinion on him as far as on the field. Um, and I think yesterday, you know, even Adam Schefter, you know, slipped up there and let – you know, his play on the field, you know, get mixed up with the type of person that Dwayne was. I was talking to Ben, you know, before the show, it was very clear for a guy who hadn't had, you know, a tremendous amount of success just to see people in waves come out and support, you know, and, and, you know, give their their thoughts and prayers to the family. It really shows the type of person he was. And I think, you know, we should really be trying to highlight that because I, I think you can, you guys can see for a guy who was, you know, primarily a backup in his career, definitely had a, you know, profound impact on on his peers.
2: Yeah, and I think no one wants to be reduced to good or bad what they did in their career, right? I don't think anybody wants to just be known uh, for what they did out there on the field. I think it's important to remember the person, and we've seen a lot of those tributes, like Ben read um, part of what uh, Terry McLaurin had to say, and you know, I think this is an important time for those people to step forward and tell us about him because I didn't know him uh, personally. Ben, you covered him a little bit, but you mentioned you didn't really know him super well. I think this is the time for those people to come forward and say he was more than these stat lines. He was more than his struggles to to really live up to the talent. Uh, we need to remember the person first, and hopefully we kind of learn from this the next time this happens because this is tragic and terrible, but this, this is kind of – life at its worst, right? It is going to, people are going to continue um, to pass away. And I hope that Schefter and and some of these people with these huge followings can take this for next time and say like, let's, as Ben said, like, let's take a step back. Let's reframe. Let's take 30 seconds and maybe we're first, maybe we're second. Who cares? Let's get it right and let's play proper homage to the life of Dwayne Haskins.
1: And and Linnell, to to your point about you're connecting with him as a guy who's, you know, roughly the same age I I told you before the show, you know, for people for your age and you hear the stories about Len bias, you you know, it's the ultimate athletic, uh, tragedy from the perspective of a guy who looked like he was going to be, you know, one of the best basketball players of all time cut down before he got to even get on the court, uh, because of, a a a drug overdose. And he was for me and for many people who were from here, I mean, he was the guy, I mean, Superhero. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, all these years later, my, my current cat at home is named Lenny after him. Uh, It it, it touched me in ways that I couldn't comprehend. And and it was as jarring as what we're dealing with right now. When, when I found out about Len bias at the time, this is obviously pre-internet, you know, historic, you know, stone age, all that. It was a crawl across the television. I believe I was watching like a family ties rerun at like 10 in the morning or something. And a, and a crawl comes across that says, "You know, former Maryland basketball player Len Bias." And as I see this, my first thought is, oh, "Did he get traded to the to the Bullets?" Like obviously, like what what could possibly this be that it's going to be interrupting the the news? And then to see what it said, it was like I, unfortunately, I could not reread it again because it went by. I, I had to call my mom. I'm like, "Uh, wait, what what just happened here?" And yeah. it was. So out of left field, so like I, I totally can relate to that. I mean, everybody is experiencing this in different ways, and if you are of the same age and you looked up, you look up to him or you viewed him as a peer, yeah, obviously it, it's it's hard to, it really does put some life context into here. Like, wow, things can change for the worse on a dime, and it really does. You know, it's cliche to say you know value every minute. You know, hug your loved ones, tell everybody you love them, but it really is true, and and this is unfortunately you know another reminder of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're we're taking your calls all show 800 636 1067 What you remember about him, uh, whether you want to comment on, you know, the coverage and how that's been. Um Linnell, how did you how did you find out? I, I'm curious because as you said, you find out the news growing up on a TV scroll, right? Like I think now it it's gotta be pretty instantaneous. How did you find out and I hope it's not from that Schefter tweet.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, it, it was from the Schefter tweet. I've had my tweet notifications on for just about every beat reporter since uh, free agency opened up. So unfortunately, I had to, you know, find it out that way, and it just it sucked. It, it, you know, I was I was getting ready to go to go to breakfast, and it was just it, it really jarred me all of yesterday because everything you do now, try to move culture stuff like it's a guy that was my age, so very difficult to stomach. And I think the aspect that people aren't getting, because I played, you know, high school sports in this area, he was really—I know his legend at Ohio State was so was, was really great, but what he did here, you know, in, in a short time in high school, and I don't know, Ben, if you've heard Urban Meyer refer to the first time he saw Dwayne Haskins in seven on seven, thought he was the best seven on seven quarterback he'd ever seen in his life. So just a guy with that amount of, you know, immense talent and. Just really a good overall person. It was a tough situation yesterday.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of that talent, and we'll talk more about this with John Kime, you know, he beats out Joe Burrow for the Ohio State job, which led Joe Burrow to transfer, who then becomes the number one pick in the draft. It goes to show what level of talent Dwayne Haskins have. Uh If you go to the athletic, you can see the uh, our Ohio State writer, Bill Landis, wrote a really nice uh, story on Dwayne Haskins' The legacy he left at Ohio State and the number of records he set for that program is off the chart to even kind of reset how we view Ohio State as a program known for their quarterback play when the knock on them forever had been, no, if you want to be a quarterback, don't go to the pros. You don't go to Ohio State. He reshaped that. They've now had uh, he was a first round pick. Justin Fields was a first round pick. They're likely going to have another first round pick next year. I think they had only had two quarterbacks picked in the first round over like the prior like 50 years. And 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 it was a guy like uh, Dwayne Haskins who sort of turned that around. Um, I, I I texted with Urban Meyer yesterday about this, and he told me that Dwayne Haskins is uh, that that Urban Meyer said his grandson was Dwayne Dwayne Haskins was his grandson's favorite player uh, over the seven years that he um that he coached there. So yeah, obviously, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about this at eleven o'clock with John, uh, who, like I said, covered him with me here but also is an Ohio State fan and he's going to bring us uh, that perspective Um, we'll we'll talk more about that later we can talk a little bit about the commanders as well I've got some thoughts on the draft maybe some clues as to what they'll do at 11 there's no easy transition for this but this is how life is there's often no easy transition but you have to move on we'll do that next here on 106.7 the
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours
2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last.
4: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Man. No signal yet. Touchdown. Sunday morning. Welcome back. 1067 The fan. Brit Rolly here with my colleague and friend, Ben standing. Um, obviously big, terrible news over the weekend. Dwayne Haskins, 24 uh, year old former football quarterback passed away. Um, hit by a dump truck in South Florida. We're going to get into that. We've been talking about it all show, taking your phone calls, your reaction, uh, what you remember most about Haskins, 800-636-1067. We're going to get into it more in detail. John Kime, ESPN, um, at the 11 o'clock hour. Um, Ben, I want to start with uh, a couple, some lighter topics because it is Sunday morning. People are just getting up. They're just getting their coffee if you're Ben, you're getting 7-Eleven coffee. And we had this chat, and I asked him, <laughs> Ben, you really like 7-Eleven? Like, that's the go-to on a Sunday morning, you know? Treat yourself. And uh, what did you say?
1: I, I don't mind 7-Eleven coffee, and I, I stole a line our, our colleague Mike Sando at The Athletic. He did his re- a piece where he spoke with a bunch of executives around the league to look at how the different teams were d- conducting their offseason. And when it got to the part about Washington – it reminded me of this coffee analogy, and the analogy was that a lot of people, if given the choice between d- Carson Wentz for twenty eight point three million or Taylor Heineke for two, they would take Taylor Heineke. And that's how I equated my coffee: that basically, yeah, Seven Eleven for for two bucks or whatever it is versus Starbucks for like triple or double more than double that. Yeah, Seven Eleven's totally fine. I know this is supposed
3: to be a loose topic, but I don't. I don't agree with. Taylor Heineke for two million over Carson Wentz for twenty eight million. Well, I could not sit back.
1: Well, you'd have to speak to whoever this anonymous executive was, but also it's the you could spend the money. Like for example, I also have some like protein bar thing. Like between the protein bar and the seven and the Seven Eleven coffee, is even less than what the Starbucks would be. Just like here. The the gap in money, you could spend that money on another receiver, a linebacker, a cornerback. It's the totality. Come on, Ben. I know. Come
2: on. You should have seen Linnell's face as you were explaining that, Ben. Like, in real time, Linnell sits behind Ben, so Ben can't see it. And Linnell is just horrified, getting more <laughs> horrified as Ben is going through this analogy. And, you know, I'm going to have to side with Linnell here. I also think... Coffee is like quarterbacks. It's important. It's paramount to the day. It's vital to the franchise. Have you
1: have you watched Have you watched the game tape of the Seven Eleven coffee? Or are you just <laughs> assuming that it is not that
3: Listen, is not up to snuff? If
2: we're doing a coffee draft, I am not selecting Seven Eleven early. Like you probably are definitely a, a value pick, right? Yeah, definitely
1: like, a
3: sleeper trade back type
1: of pick.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I I'm can, trading up to I, get something.
1: I, <laughs> I can win games with the Seven Eleven coffee. Is all all I'm saying. And look, I will also, if we're gonna go down this route, I think McDonald's coffee is also.
3: It's a coffee-driven uh, league, Ben. So I mean, obviously, yeah. you better be able to win
2: with 7-Eleven
1: coffee. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a
2: coffee-driven league. I love it. Oh my god, <laughs> amazing! It's nothing without the right creamer, though. It's like you know, if you don't, if you don't have oh, someone, the,
1: the accoutrements are very important. I'm not a black coffee person. I I need a little, not, not a ton. I need a little something going on in there. Yeah. If we, we don't have the extras, then it's all going to fall apart. I cannot uh, go. Uh, I cannot go that hardcore.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of the draft, we're actually going to talk. NFL draft uh, here a little bit. And, you know, this is a an interesting draft, I think, especially if you're Washington. Um, the, their needs have changed. Obviously, they go out, they get a quarterback um, to alleviate some of the yelling of should they, should they get a quarterback, should they not. Ben, you were one of the early people, even before I think they got Wentz, that were like, well, listen, look, there's not a quarterback that's great at their pick. Why do it? Um, you know, and we had this discussion, I think, last time on the show of, Um, do you get a wide receiver because they're trendy and flashy and it's fun, or do you get, you know, a guy maybe on the defensive side of the ball? Do you get, you know, somebody else, um, that's not quite as sexy of a pick, but because of need, because of organizational need, um, where do you stand? Have you changed stances at all? Are you reading mock drafts and changing what you think here as we sit here on April 10th? Man, where's April going? April 10th.
1: Oh, I just realized we I, tax day is coming up, and I have not remotely dealt with that. And another, another, yet another thing way down on my uh, 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 not on my to do list. It needs to be. All right. So with regard to the draft. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit I, on Monday morning. I have a new Washington only mock draft up on the athletic. And it got me thinking about kind of where we are right now with this team. Now, I'm not going to spoil that too much. You can go read that tomorrow. But there are some, I guess what I'm not, it's not so much that anything has changed my mind. I'm trying to read the clues as best we can. And I think there is an interesting clue that's going on, including something that's going to happen this week. If you go back to Ron Rivera's history as a coach, pro days are a big deal. I was at the Malik Willis one at Liberty a few weeks ago. There have been a bunch of them throughout uh, the country. Last week we had LSU. Ron Rivera, even going back to his time at Carolina, he does not typically attend these things. Now, th- th- this is what the scouts stuff for, the front office is for, but you do see coaches who want to get a closer look. Mike Tomlin was at all the quarterback uh, pro days d- during this cycle all for all the bigger quarterbacks because it's obviously an important position and he wants to get a closer look. Here's what's notable about Ron Rivera g- talking to people who covered him at Carolina. They only recalled three times that he went to a pro day. 2011, he went to Auburn to see Cam Newton. That same year, he went to LSU to see Patrick Peterson, and in 2017, he went to Stanford to see Christian McCaffrey. They, of course, drafted Cam Newton first overall and drafted McCaffrey eighth overall. When he goes out on the road, based on that history, that is an indication that he is very interested in the player. What does that have to do with now? At this moment in time, as far as we know, he's only been to two pro days. He went to the Ohio State Pro Day, where their two probably top prospects are two wide receivers, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I don't know if Garrett Wilson will be there at 11. I don't know if it's too early to take Chris Olave there. But we saw a picture of Ron Rivera talking to Chris Olave. Chris Olave was here the other day. I think there's clear indication that Ron Rivera is interested in these players. Ohio State has a bunch of other players, too. That's a sign. He also went to the Cincinnati Pro Day. Their best player is uh, cornerback uh, Sauce Gardner, great nickname. He's another guy probably not there at eleven, but might be, and it's why you've got to put. I think those three players on the list on the short list of guys they could they could they could target. But here's another one. Last week we were supposed to have the USC Pro Day, and their top prospect is uh, wide receiver Drake London. He missed a chunk of last year with an ankle injury. He's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury. So USC pushed the pro day back to this week. I believe my understanding is Ron Rivera was going to go last week to the USC pro day and probably will therefore go again this week. And assuming that happens, Drake London, another guy who could be there at 11, I think has got to be on the short list. Now we'll get more in the next segment about who else I think is is sort of in this mix. But just in terms of pro days and Ron Rivera's history, I think those are four names to keep an eye on he doesn't he's not messing around with, with with when he spends his time and and by the way last year i kind of thought jamon davis was a the guy they would take because of how much rivera talked about linebackers he's talked a lot about getting carson wentz help i think he put it all together and it wouldn't stun me at all if it's one of those receivers that they pick at 11.
2: so you're saying he's not fully revealing his hand but he's tipping it a little bit by, by where he's going right he's kind of leaving the breadcrumbs here to, for you to follow
1: a little bit. I mean, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. He could have shown up to some other pro day and had a one-on-one conversation with somebody that we just don't know about. But right. in terms of physically showing up, being at the event that it's been reported, he's there, we see him, whatever. Yeah, these are the ones. And he doesn't waste a lot of time with these things.
2: Interesting. So
1: I think that is something to note.
2: And so coming up, Ben's going to tell us exactly who they're going to draft. So you definitely don't <laughs> want to go anywhere because he's going he's to give us the name here. The 7-Eleven coffee has fueled him. He's caffeinated. He's ready. He's going to reveal everything ahead of time. Stick with us. Britcher Ben Standing, 106.7 The Fan.
0: Snack that with my right hand, and
1: man, can that be demoralizing for a defense? All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standing here. I cover the commanders for the athletic. Brit O'Reilly's here. She covers Major League Baseball for the athletic. We're right now talking about my sport, specifically the Washington commanders and what they may do in the draft. I've got a Washington um, only mock draft. It'll be up on Monday. No, even though Britt teased it that I'm going to tell you who they're going to pick. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that information to myself. Okay. Coward. I, I, yes. Coward. I, w- I will make a predi- prediction though. Tomorrow you can get you can read that. But 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 here's the thing, Britt. Right? Mock drafts, mock drafts, mock drafts. We talked about mock drafts in the last last show. We did. We have very different views of these things. I find them to be an interesting. Uh, exercise a thought exercise, what's going to happen, you find it to be an utterly mindless waste of time, basically. Is that is that a fair <laughs> wow. characterization? I
2: uh, didn't think you were going to put me on blast on the air, but it's ah, 10.32 and here we, we are. Didn't we talk about this the other day on the air? The coffee from 7-Eleven is kicking into your bloodstream. Yes. I. It's not that I think that they're an utter waste of time. I enjoy the event of the draft, right? I enjoy seeing who teams are picking. I question the... And People love mock drafts. I know I'm in the minority here. I question the all the different mock drafts and then people arguing about mock drafts that are really just people's opinion. Nobody really knows what's going to happen.
1: Here. Did, did you watch the TV show Lost? No. So Lost was the first TV show I ever watched in which I really felt the, the impact of the internet in that it was a show with mystery after mystery after mystery and every episode left you with some sort of ooh, what just happened? And There were a lot of clues throughout the show and People spent the entirety of the show, six years, six seasons, trying to figure out what the heck was happening. And 98% of what everybody was guessing was completely wrong. Totally wrong. But the journey was a lot of fun to try to figure out what is happening. And I think if you're of that, this is to me how I kind of view this: the, the mock draft process is what, what could happen, what might happen, what is the best approach, what would be a dumb approach, even if none of it ultimately works itself out, which we're going to get to here in a second. But that that's how... I view this thing, which is maybe clearly different than how you're viewing this thing.
2: But to me, like, I enjoy that as well. There are so many, when you look at this Washington team, there's so many other things you can sit here um, and evaluate. Like, guys on this team, we could talk about Carson Wentz and, like, is he going to live up to, you know, is he going to be, like, a true leading man for them? Like, you can talk about, you know, are guys going to bounce back from injury? You know, what, what can they expect from Chase Young? Like, you can talk about guys who are on this team all day and I would enjoy that. The, my issue with the draft is we are talking about guys who 99% of them will not be on the Washington's team. So we're just trying to rearrange these puzzle pieces. Um, And I, I find it just an, it's just so funny because I think so many people really enjoy it because like you said, they like fitting in these puzzle pieces. They like giving your opinion uh, about what they can do because they're never going to be in Ron Rivera's position, right? We, none of us are. Um, uh, But I just think it's so interesting uh, the way these mock drafts change and morph and the way that mostly they are all wrong. It takes one wrong pick to throw everyone off, right? It's like when you remove that that one piece from the, the Jenga and the whole thing topples, right? Um, but yet here we are talking and obsessing over what may happen. I'd rather we talk about the guys on the team and then look back and say, well, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have drafted that guy because look what happened here. I'm more of like a let's let's reverse analyze, review mirror.
1: But, I mean, at some point, I can't talk about Chase Young or William Jackson or even Carson Wentz for four months, right? The season ended forever yeah. ago. I can't do that forever. But here's the real thing. This is true across the board. It is proven over and over again. The number one thing that people are most interested in are what might happen, Correct. i.e. recruiting is the biggest thing always with college sports. Your sport, minor league baseball, people want to talk far more about their prospects than they do the guys on the actual team. It's the hope of what could happen. It is. So so here's the thing. Now, I'm not going to – what I want to mention here, so Washington picks at 11, and in order to assess what they might do at 11, you have to figure out what's going to happen before that to a degree. The – part. so obviously that's what 10 players are going to get picked. It doesn't necessarily matter the exact order. It's just more of the pool of the players. What I think is tricky this year, though, but in terms of the mock draft, I've been doing mock drafts a long time. Normally, there are a handful of picks that are pretty obvious. You feel pretty good. Maybe the first, second, third pick. The fifth pick, it's just like they need a, 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 an offensive tackle. The first one will be there, etc. I think this year, other than the first pick with Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Michigan to Jacksonville, I feel like we've all kind of settled on that. I think everything else is incredibly wide open, and I don't. Uh, part of it is we don't know if the quarterbacks are going to go anywhere in the top in the top ten. Uh, Carolina at six might take one. I'm not convinced any quarterback gets picked in the top 19 picks. So that 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 that's a wrinkle. We talked before about these receivers. I don't think teams typically want to take a ton of receivers early, and yet it wouldn't stun me if Garrett Wilson and Drake London are gone before Washington uh, even picks. So what I tried to do was try to guess, like, figure out, like, what players are going to actually be gone before they're picked. Here's what I've got. I've got Aiden Hutchinson. I've got Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia. And I've got two offensive tackles, Evan Neal from Alabama and uh, Iquanu from uh, NC State. I think those guys are Locke's top ten. After that, I'm not, I would imagine the aforementioned Sauce Gardner's gone Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end from Oregon, probably gone, probably Garrett Wilson. But I think it gets a lot more confusing at that point to the point where a guy like Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. some people think he could go 2 I've talked to scouts just over the last 48 hours who tell me he could absolutely be there at 11 for Washington. And I think that's the part that's tricky is how do you figure out what the pool is? This is what the teams are having to figure out as well. I think that's where it's hard. And for me, at least I think it's a little bit harder this year to figure that out exactly than it is in other years.
2: No, you're right. And there are teams, like you mentioned, Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle picks at nine, you know, they could draft a a quarterback as well. Um, Really tricky. You had in your latest mock draft that, you know, you would, you would trade that first pick, uh, right. You had to trade down for Washington as a potential. Yeah. As a potential solution there, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. I mean, if they don't, uh, you had some great names in here, some of the cornerbacks um, who could be off the board. But, you know, if they fall to them, maybe they are interested in you know, LSU's Derek Stingley, Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. Um, it does seem like, the, obviously, the Carson Wentz uh, move has changed kind of how they view this draft, what they need to do. We're not here screaming, like, what are they going to do about quarterbacks? Should they get a rookie? Like, you know, you have Ron Rivera quoted in here as, like, you know, why why draft a guy in the first round and unless you're in love with him? which they're, they're not you're not in love with any of these quarterbacks here and that was the issue that we talked about for for quite a while. So um it is interesting to see where Rivera is kind of what he's following as you mentioned in the last segment like leaving that little trail of breadcrumbs of who he thinks is important to get actual eyes on. But then again, like you said, you don't know what's going to happen in front of you you know your pick 11 which is just far enough down. In my opinion, to really not have a plan, you need like five or six different scenarios, right? I mean, right. if I'm if I'm Washington, I probably have a half a dozen possibilities, you no, know? at minimum.
1: Right. And Rivera even said that part of the reason they went for Carson Wentz was, regardless of their own evaluations of these quarterbacks, not knowing for sure if the guy if there would be a quarterback there that they would even want, because you mentioned those other teams picking ahead of them. Here are the scenarios that I would say. The best case for Washington, okay? Obviously, whoever the guy they want to get being there at 11, that would be the best case scenario. But in terms of the idea of, like, a trade down, I think you want one quarterback picked before they go. Thus, ideally, whoever that second quarterback is, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, that a team picking behind them, maybe it's the Saints who now have two first-round picks, maybe it's the Steelers at 20, maybe it's the Titans at 26. One of these teams says, look, there's already there's only maybe... Two quarterbacks we liked at all. Let's We need to move up. Washington is willing to trade down. Let's consider that. I think the other guy to keep an eye on is defensive end Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. No, not for Washington to pick because they have that position covered. It's because pass rushers after quarterbacks are the thing that teams are desperate for the most. You look at a team like Baltimore at 14. They could really use an edge rusher. Could they decide they want to jump up to that spot? I think the Saints with two first round picks might be wanting uh, a defensive and the Eagles. I don't know if you'd see a Washington Philly trade, but that type of thing, I think that's a guy to keep an eye on as well. If he gets picked ahead of Washington, that's good news because you didn't want him anyway. But if you want to trade down, I think that's the kind of guy you want to be there. So another team will say, we'll trade up. They're not trading up for a safety. Probably, probably not for a receiver, not, not a ton, but a pass rusher and certainly a quarterback. That's where things could, I think, get interesting.
2: Yeah, it, it, I don't envy the people who have to do these mock drafts nonstop, and especially, Ben, once you get out of the first round. I mean, Washington has six selections this year. They've got the 11 pick, which is what, you know, we're really talking about. Everyone really wants to know where you can make the biggest impact there. Then they pick second um, second round, 47, fourth at 113, sixth at 189. and They have two picks in the seventh round, 230 and 240. Uh, would it make you supremely uncomfortable, Ben, if I asked you? Hey, who are they going to pick at 240? Who do you think is still going to be around there?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, literally, I just did this exercise. I'm trying to think, who did I have them go? I, uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to say. You can read that on The Athletic. I did. What a oh, tease.
2: I know. What a I, tease.
1: I, I did go through the exercise. I mean, so one, one thing I like doing, and I'll do this before the before the draft, is uh, a, a choose-your-own-adventure mock draft where I show three different scenarios because this is the other part, Right. I can say they should take receiver at eleven, but if you do that, then what? Then what? What happens next? Versus maybe you should like LSU cornerback Derek Stingley. He had his pro day the other day. He missed a bunch of times the previous two seasons with injuries, but when he was a freshman, he was probably the best cornerback in the league. Martin Mayhew was at his pro day the other day. We know Washington needs a fifth defensive back because that's their the, the 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 setup they use the most, going with five defensive backs. We don't know who the fifth guy is. If you take him at at 11, that actually might make more sense because the receivers are pretty plentiful later on in the draft. But then you're getting somebody who is not probably as good, hypothetically, as a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London. Um, what about other spots? You, you know, linebacker seems to be one everybody wants to talk about. Where do you get one of those guys? This is not a good draft for interior offensive linemen. I think Washington arguably needs another guard. Could you justify taking one at 11? But if you do that, is that too early? What about later? I think the choose your own adventure part, that is also why I like doing mock drafts. You, Because everybody says, you should have done this. You should have done that. OK, well, here's what happens if you do your scenario. Are you good with this? And if sometimes I think people showing it to them they're like, Oh, OK, maybe this is not the better way to go. Or there's rationalization for going in this other way.
2: Right. I mean, listen, um, I know you've painted me as like a draft hater. I'm not a draft hater. I want to see what happens here.
1: Draft skeptic.
2: No, not... (laughs)
1: Mock draft skeptic?
2: (laughs) Mock draft skeptic. Um, No, not a mock draft skeptic. I think it's just really, really hard to predict what's going to happen. And like you said, we somehow become obsessed with that.
1: By the way, part of the problem is in your sport, these things seem off the charts insane. You're talking about an 18-year-old high school guy that nobody has seen. At least here, everybody watched pretty much all these players. And even if none of us are experts, we at least have a feel for the players who are going to get drafted. Yes,
2: at least most people, too, that are into football at least in, especially at the college level, have seen a lot of these guys. So fans feel like they're a little more involved, right? Good luck getting this kind of sentiment when it comes to baseball. It's like, who cares about the guy that's in Arkansas that's a really good high school shortstop, right? Like the average fan isn't going to call in because they haven't seen this guy play. And you're also not going to see them for a while. In the NFL, you know, you it may, it may take a little time, but that's so relative, like one season, right? Two seasons, maybe, um, in baseball, it's like seeing half a dozen years, kid. Let's hope you pan out. So definitely a totally different vibe. Uh, we are going to get back a little bit um, to players that we can watch now. The Nats are trying to win their first game of the season uh, here at 1.30. It'll it it'll be on uh, 106.7 The Fan later. Uh, we're going to get into that, and then we're going to get into uh, a little bit more on Dwayne Haskins with uh, Ben's buddy, John Kime, who covers Washington for ESPN at 11 o'clock. Um, stick with us. Britcher Ben Standing on 106.7 The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. (sighs)
4: Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.
2: Richard Roley, Ben, standing here with you on this fantastic Sunday morning. One week from Easter, baseball is starting. The draft's in full swing. The Wizard season is ending. We've got a lot going on in the sports world, Ben. But I need to ask your fashion advice because last night the Nats debuted their City Connect uniforms. They're the first team that is doing the City Connects this season. Uh, last season was the first year with Nike. They do special collaborations. Uh, these jerseys I love. I loved as soon as they were released. Uh, they're gray. They got the cherry blossom thing going on. I'm not a huge like alternate uniform person at all. But I really like these so much so that I may even get like a hat or something. And I never buy team apparel. Right. Like I don't I would just have it at home because I like it. I know Grant Paulson of, of this station uh, has some gear as well. I was talking to him the other night when when I was in here uh, about that stuff Um what do you think of these? Are you are you in on the cherry blossom city connects? Are you out? I'm especially in because I don't think the Nationals' normal uniforms are super special, and I think this gives them a little bit more of an identity. Yeah,
1: I agree. Starting with the baseline of it's not like their their uniform is an iconic thing. It's like when I see some teams, the Green Bay Packers go to an alternate jersey, You're like dude, what are you doing here? Just you, you just leave it leave it alone. I do like the cherry blossoms it is you know that's the difference right between when people think of dc they think of the government and the buildings and that's all fine but when you're local it's not like that i don't ever define myself by the capital i barely ever see it but the cherry blossoms that that is a thing that we that we do there's uh, near where i live there's a neighborhood that has cherry blossoms at well and people come out obviously not to the degree that they do on the mall uh, or, or over that part of the uh, of town so, yeah, I do like it. I, I thought it was weird that the Wizards and the Nats both came out with versions of this like, simultaneously. I don't know if the Cherry Blossom uh, board pushed this or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I like the Nats' look, especially like we said. It's not like they had th- their their own version is so great. I'm totally good. If they wanted to leave it on, I'd be fine with that, too.
2: I would, too. They set, like, a, like a new sales record, too, uh, when these got released, which is, you know, obviously we aren't the only ones who, who like them. I think it's cool. I think it's different. Um, I like leaning into the pink, and I like coordinating it, like as you said, with the Wizards. The Wizards obviously end today in Charlotte. We talked to Ava Wallace um, earlier in the show about that. They're not going to debut them until next season, Uh, but I, I do think it's a really cool thing, and I must say this. I don't know if I need to like duck under the table or what after I say this, but I have actually been in this area for at least a dozen years and I have never actually like gone specifically to see the cherry blossoms. I've only sat in traffic and cursed out the cherry blossoms because of the traffic.
1: Uh, As somebody who lives here, I am, it's always of the mindset of I'll do it next time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have done it, but I've had a lot based on the number of opportunities I've had to do it. It's a very relatively small amount but yeah you drive through it's always a sight i mean it, it never disappoints the only bummer is like when the weather doesn't cooperate while it's blooming and then all of a sudden it's rain it gets knocked down or it gets cold and all that but always always a beautiful thing to see like i mentioned there's a neighborhood right near my house that has them as well so the shortcut for me is just to drive through there <laughs> get get my get my take get my fill without having to go all the way into the city but yeah obviously it's a great thing to see. But like you mentioned, yes. There's always the unintended consequences, traffic being one of them.
2: I gotta do it though. Maybe I maybe I'll do it this year before it's over. Um, let us know what you think about the uh cherry blossom uniforms, eight hundred six three six one oh six seven. uh maybe I go this year. When does it end? Ends when like spring is over.
1: Well, I think it is it's it's already over. Is I'm it not, over? I mean it's it's a I'm pretty gonna, it's I'm a pretty pretty short window. It's only basically like two weeks that they're in bloom. It's not that long, which is makes it uh, you know, such a precious moment and opportunity. And that's why when, when the weather uh, or other factors don't, don't cooperate, it, it can kind of muck yeah. it up a little bit. All right.
2: Four weeks, four weeks, four weeks. So it actually the cherry blossom festival, the national cherry blossom festival here is March 20th to April 17th. So we have some time. We have like one more week. All to right. actually see this I just
1: in my neighborhood. I know they were, they were there It was like, it's already starting to fade, I guess, relative to, I guess there's peak really? and then there's, you know, Uh, nature gets in the way and and things can go. But it's obviously been raining a lot the last few days. But yeah, why not? Look, uh, you're here now. We're in D.C. right now. Just take your car, drive the five minutes in that direction, and then go home.
2: You know what, Ben? I think I'm going to do that. I think you've inspired me to do that.
1: Great. Well we we have another we have more time together later this week, so we'll we'll, we'll get the update from you uh, on what <laughs> on what you observe. Maybe by then the Nats pitching, you know, they'll have a starter who've gone who's gone at least five innings. Maybe they'll have gotten gotten a couple of runs on the board. Anything's possible.
2: You know what? I I hope they do. They're they're still looking for their first win. Carlos Carrasco, who they're facing for the Mets, was a little shaky this spring. I do think that they have to eventually hit. We mentioned uh, with MLB.com's Jess Camerato earlier in the show that they've only scored four runs in their first three games. That has to change, Ben, because we know pitching is going to be an issue. Um, Eric Fetty getting the start today, a little uncertain about the rotation in Atlanta beyond Eric Fetty uh, because Anibal Sanchez is dealing with a little bit of a stiff neck. Uh, This is a game that should be a winnable game for them. The Mets, I would assume, haven't seen a lineup yet, are going to rest some of the regulars. Um, It is very hard to sweep a four-game series. So hopefully the Nationals can get on the board here and start to get this thing rolling. They have such a tough schedule out of the gate. I mentioned they go to Atlanta next. They play 18 games in a row before they can really catch their breath. Uh, They really have to do their best to not get buried here early on if they're going to uh, compete and at least hang with some of the other teams in this division for a little while.
1: Well, we will see. We'll get a look at them later today after Britt gets a look at the cherry blossoms. Um, We've got one more hour to go here on 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig, Britt Giroli with you here until noon. uh, We'll talk more Dwayne Haskins. We'll talk Nat uh, and more in the next hour here on 106.7 The Fan.